Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Are we recording? We are recording. Mm. Live. Just do it. Yep. Uh, I don't really... Um, I can think of a question. Do you guys have anything today? If we didn't have anything, I was probably just going to play some Tin Whistle. <laughs> Dang, dude. Wow. It's hey, been a while. I don't know if that made me think of the uh, the whatever they call those things, the GIF or whatever that I sent you guys last night. But what do you think the funniest oh, Will Ferrell moment is? Goodness gracious. Is that the question? Yeah. <laughs> the funniest Will Ferrell moment. Um, I don't know. There's There's so many I quote. Mom the meatloaf. I, I mm. laugh at it pretty hard. Um, one of the things that made me play the flute just now is this note from uh, Brennan, who sent us those rosary. Those oh yeah, rosaries yeah. from rosaries for cool. men. Dude, they are very cool. Yeah, I showed them to my one of my focus missionaries in case he wanted to get some Catholic dudes. Christmas present, but if you go some free advertising, everyday everyday prayer co, everyday prayer company, um, some cool rosary solutions. Anyway, he uh, he signed his letter to me. Hashtag more tin flute. So, <laughs> I mean, the okay, pe- I, the people get what the people want. Yeah, they've spoken. <laughs> Brennan, I take back everything. <laughs> but now I, I can't stop thinking Brennan is uh is, I think it's Will Ferrell's character's name in Step Brothers. Is Brennan, it really? Brennan and Dale? Yeah. Yeah. I have not seen that movie, actually. I think his um well, I'm gonna buy about a million of those um of those rosaries for soldiers because that's like ab that's absolutely perfect to bring out into the field. To, for them to pray with, that thing's not going to break. They're always going to be able to have it with them, it's, it's and it doesn't get tangled in your yeah. pocket. And oh, I love that! I didn't even think about that, dude. Tangled rosaries. T- talk about getting your day off on the wrong foot, dude. That one. Don't even get me started. Don't even get me started, man. <laughs> I I think um, Will Ferrell's greatest role is his role in elf I, th- I think that's his he was born to play buddy the elf and all mm. those dude all of those scenes they he's he is so funny i think elf is definitely the movie that will outlive will ferrell the most after he's dead and gone people will still be watching it yeah whereas the others i think not so much hmm What legacy will you leave? Discussion questions for this Three Dogs North episode can be found at www. Discussionquestions.co. <laughs> well, gov. gov.org. Well, how are you guys doing? Just all in all, 
the school year's cruising along. Yeah, it's going good. Um, yeah, there are highs and lows. It's something cool uh, that we've been doing the last couple of weeks. I just, the few students that were kind of hanging around uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think we're just kind of chomping at the bit to do something and hang out. And I was talking about books I liked and they're like, what book should we read, Father? Or something like that. Something came up where they're like, we want to read books. I was like, let's have a book club. And so now five or six students uh, are gathering every Tuesday and reading like four chapters of Narnia and talking about it. Cool. It's been really cool. Well, like y'all read it out loud? and then No, no like they, they read on their own and then we, we come yeah, together okay. and it's sort of like a Bible study, but pretty free form. Excuse me. Very cool. That's um, awesome, man. Yeah, but really cool insights and... Uh, yeah anything i'm curious any 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 insights or thing that has stood out because i love i love narnia um yeah what we talked about yesterday was when they were at the the beaver's house and edmund betrays them Um, oh poor poor edmund uh one of the girls was just like i really don't like edmund (laughs) <laughs> I don't want them to save him. <laughs> Which is funny. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. not to spoil it, but I I kind of felt that way until almost the very end of that book. I mean, it like takes a long time for him to to really turn around in the reader's mind. Yeah. He is... Oof. Well, he's just like a selfish little ignorant kid it's not like he's really a bad evil person i think that's kind of the point the witch is evil but he's just duped right um and his world is just as big as his little desires as his belly well that's pretty cool man that's yeah, awesome. it's been fun um we got all sorts of like virtual events going on hopefully they go well the students are the, the ones that we have involved, our core team, the kids that come around and, and hang out are are pretty jazzed. You know, like they play kickball every week and um, we played Foursquare last Friday out in our parking lot. <laughs> trying to find, mm. find all these outdoor, socially distant ways of hanging out with masks on. And we played Foursquare the other day and it was like, I get really competitive and also very rule-based playing games like that you know like we're like okay now the rule is if it hits the inside line you're out but if it hits the outside line because you know like there's all these things especially in a game like foursquare where it's like very not clear who is out because you could judge that either way so you just kind of have to make a rule and say if this happens then that happens and so by the end of it there were 45 rules it was fun Dude, y'all should do. Do y'all have any cornhole sets? We do. Or bags? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a that's a pretty fun game to play outside with masks. I mean, I get I start sweating and breathing pretty heavy when I play, but uh, <laughs> generally speaking, I mean it's high stakes, dude. Yeah. It's high stakes. Um, and what about you, Rob? Doing good. Yeah. Uh, nothing too new. Is going. Everything's going well. We played with last saturday i think um 
couple of the missionaries organized a game of tennis ball baseball, which was very, mm. very fun. So I don't oh, know if you guys fun. have inter- intramural fields <clears throat> or not bisque, but this was this was super, super fun. Um, so you just play baseball with a tennis racket instead of a bat and a tennis ball. And yeah. um, So you can, you can, you know, other than that, you can like hit the person with the ball to get them out. So you add a little (laughs) little kickball there. Is Um, it fast pitch? No, no. Um, It was, it was overhand pitch though, but it it wasn't like fast pitch though. You're not trying to strike them out. Exactly. That's, um, that's a rule, Connor. You're not trying to strike him out. Okay. Yeah, just trying to get the ball in play. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's a great idea. Use it a tennis racket because it's like basically impossible to miss. I would say that this was the most, I don't think there was a single strikeout. And we certainly had people that have not played hardly any baseball before or softball. And I don't think anybody struck out. We played a we played like a full nine inning game. It was close. It was great. It was yeah. It was the it was the thing that felt most like playing baseball. That pretty much anyone could play that I've I would say I've ever experienced. Wow, pretty fun. Did you smash like fifty home runs or what? Well, you know I was taking it easy on him, so that's. Uh, <laughs> You know Rob's MO is to just hit hit like a double and yeah. then get a pinch runner. Yeah, you're <laughs> like the you're the Cal Ripken or oh, I love see. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. I'm the Cal Ripken of tennis ball and baseball. Yeah, that's you're one of the, the greatest Ripken. compliments you've ever paid him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Mm. Dude, Cal Ripken. <laughs> that's fun. I'm I'm gonna have to suggest that. Well, I'm thinking like if you're gonna hit dingers with uh, with a tennis racket and a tennis ball, like you need a pretty big field for that, don't you? Yeah, the a... ball. Yeah, the Go ball on. died. I mean, it was it was probably like a. I think it was a softball field we were on. I don't think it was a baseball field. I'm not actually sure. Um, but I mean, you put that tennis ball like up in the air, and it'll take off pretty good. But it's not. You're not gonna like hit it out of a. Oh, of a okay. place yeah cool yeah it was great i seen you do one-handed there's different strategies yeah different strategies um huh. it was fun a like couple you get more extension with one hand and more speed on the racket yeah some guys did um we had a couple like one guy in particular um well willie our team director here he's a former like real good tennis player so he was he had some great hits because he has like, he knows how to hit with a tennis racket and he could hit it like pretty much wherever we adjusted the defense, he could hit it like exactly where we're not. So it was frustrating and I'm writing that he gets fired immediately, but (laughs) (laughs) it was impressive. Honestly, it is amazing. Once you, once you get up to bat, even with kickball, trying to figure out how to kick it so that it goes, you know, opposite field where they, they've shifted to the left and I right. want to hit it to the right field. You know, it, I mean, you can approach the ball however you want and it's still hard not to pull it um, if you're a righty. So 
I've never done it with a tennis racket, but I, I feel like there's always there's always this tendency to favor one side or the other and to uh, try to go the other way just robs you of all your power, which has always amazed me about the Sammy Sosa was one of these guys where he would hit all these opposite field home runs to yeah. right field. Like, how do, how do you get all that power and you push it? I, we actually know the answer to that. What is it? Steroids. <laughs> I thought you were gonna because you played baseball there. But like you swing a little late and you leave with your left shoulder. <laughs> you take nope. drugs. No, <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that guy's thighs? <laughs> Anytime your like... hat size goes up while you're in your thirties, that's not, that's a bad <laughs> sign. <laughs> I didn't know his his hat size increased. I think that's what, Barry Bonds certainly. Uh, oh, that's but that was true. the thing. A sign of a sign of the drugs. That's very funny. Your head just gets randomly bigger. So I'm reading a lot. <laughs> I'm working my brain, my brain muscles. <laughs> All right, I do. I do have one thing I've been thinking about. Um, hey, hey! I didn't get to tell you how I'm doing. What the heck? Oh, how are you doing, doing, Mike? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm kind of bummed listening to you guys talk about uh, playing with all of your your college students, like being able to go outside and play sports. All my kiddos, like all my youth, are, their parents have to drive them places, and yeah. we can't coordinate stuff, and we don't live on the same campus, and I don't have a baseball field or anything like that. Hmm. I, I have a gravel parking lot. So I'm, a, I'm a little jealous of you guys. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. It is fun, and that, kind of, that sort of leads into what I've been thinking about. Go on. Are you done? <laughs> yeah, that was what, that, that sounded that more was, cruel than <laughs> I meant it to. Are Are you done no, yet? Because I'd like no. to talk about. I do that, that in spirit, I do that in spiritual direction too. When somebody's <laughs> talking about their, like, are Are you done yet? Can I tell you? <laughs> can I tell you what I'm talking about? Dude, there's yeah. another step, brothers. Shush, 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 shush. Now you're just sounding stupid. Shush. shush. <laughs> He's in a job interview, shushing the lady who's interviewing. That's him. right. <laughs> oh, you sound so stupid right now. He's, uh, I think I can fix this Pam Panned problem. No, yeah, I've had my thirty seconds. So, Connor, please take it away. <laughs> the the rest of the time is yours, Connor. So here we go. <laughs> this is unpublishable, dude. Um. So one of the things I've been thinking about with quarantine and just kind of feeling a little bit of stress and anxiety and a feeling of, uh, yeah, I don't know, just kind of being hemmed in um, and the desire to escape sometimes. Um, and I just feel like what what God has been up to, at least for me in this time, has been like enter enter into the circumstances which feel like they rob you of your freedom or joy. But um like embrace them sort of like the cross and make the most of this moment and one of the things uh blaha preached about this the other day i listened to his homilies about uh cardinal uh i can't, can't remember the name or how to pronounce it the, the vietnamese cardinal that was in solitary confinement you know who i'm talking about oh, yeah yeah He's yeah in prison by the communists for for a long yeah. time and uh wrote wrote a lot of letters and talked about in one of them how in prison, the temptation is to just wait. You're just waiting for your life to resume or start. Um, and this time is basically all just wasted, whether it's a few days or a few years. Um, it's like suspended animation 
and he just decided i'm not going to wait i'm going to live each of these days fully how god allows me to you know praying for people and even though i can't shepherd them he was the bishop i can't shepherd people the way that i i would like by teaching and preaching and governing and um all that stuff but you know by praying for them and uh you know writing these letters and, and finding different ways to to live his vocation from solitary confinement he made the most of those years and you know grew as a saint um so anyway i think that stuff like that's really inspiring to me and it's so easy to get negative and complain about the uh the stuff you can't do you know like this year has just sort of been this whole calendar year has been kind of a drag um as things are sort of taken away from us and we're about to head into the holidays and what's that going to look like with thanksgiving and christmas and traveling and the restrictions and stuff it's just kind of a constant ever-present reality that you can't do what you normally do or what you want to do or you can only do some version of that that's attenuated and you're in front of screens all the time and blah 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 so one of the things i was thinking about was um this experiment which this is perfect three dogs north because i don't remember if i read this or or someone told me about it or i heard it on a podcast so it might not even be real but it doesn't matter <laughs> um <laughs> you just make this experiment up it's a thought it experiment could, it could be but i think it's it resonates enough in the truth of my heart that it must have happened in reality dude um, I, I, can i just do like a little tangent question sure before you dive into that okay I, have y'all ever had the temptation to make up a story that fits a homily absolutely like, I, I never have done it but i know guys who have done it i've never done it either but it, it feels the same way where it's like dude what if that actually happened that would be perfect you want to hear the best <laughs> one ever a friend of mine <laughs> sure. he made up the story where uh i think the guy got in a, a guy got in a car accident i shouldn't laugh got in a car accident and uh was in a coma and then woke up and was blind and he had been like not living his marriage very well and maybe maybe had even been uh, like committing adultery and stuff and then his wife is is coming to him in the hospital and visiting him and and taking care of him and stuff and at the end of the story he realizes he had to go blind to realize how beautiful his wife was oh my god Did I, I may have told you guys that one before i might <laughs> have that's awful yeah and it's all made up oh um, my gosh dude yeah <laughs> oh yeah. no so this this may be made up but uh i at least don't know that it's made up so you're not intentionally making it up right yeah okay so you know uh when the soldiers went to vietnam a lot of them got addicted to heroin in the like on leave and stuff like that or whatever that that was kind of a, a thing that was a crisis when people got back from the vietnam war especially in the later years um a lot of them were like homeless and and addicted and stuff like that and uh, in need of help because that war was just so kind of dehumanizing and then the time over there was really really tough on them um so when they got back, some of them remained addicted to heroin, but some of them who had used it while in the war to kind of cope um, came back and then were, it was pretty easy for them to stop doing it. Like they didn't have to go through any treatment. They just 
stopped and then got normal jobs, got married and, and went on with their lives. And they were curious about how that happened. And so they did this experiment with rats where they got them addicted to cocaine, um, where they would like give them a water thing that had cocaine in it and a water thing that just was water. And as soon as the rat kind of learned through experience that that good feeling that he got from from pressing on this tab to get this water, he became, quickly became addicted and showed all the telltale signs of like habituation and, um, you know, tolerance and needing more of it and um, like sacrificing other things like food and whatnot to get it. Uh, and this was when the rat was just in its solitary confinement, like in the little cage with the with the two waters. And then they put these rats in what they called rat Disneyland. At least that, that's what I remember it being called. And the rat Disneyland was like a place, a big place with other rats and cool things for rats to do. Things that rats like, you know, like wheels and exercise and mazes and whatnot. And they found that a good percentage of the rats that were addicted formerly would kind of wean themselves off of the cocaine water over time in order to participate more fully in the rat uh whatever the rat paradise the rat disneyland yeah so the, the kind of like the social what the rat was made for you know that the cocaine was kind of substituting while it was in its unhappy place you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and so there's something like inherent in the rat mm-hmm. obviously it's not free it's not making that choice it's just that instinctually it would rather do this than that although physically it's still kind of addicted but um it's will it's willing and able to make the sacrifice of this ersatz good in order to go towards the more real good um at least by analogy so i think to me like covid and all this stuff and um just the general kind of like ennui of of modern living to some extent you know like in a way it's just sort of made it worse our talk about the social dilemma a couple weeks ago um I've completely logged out of Twitter, um, cut down my screen time to almost to almost zero outside of uh, work, and then like things I intentionally want to watch, like like games and um, shows and movies and stuff, but not like binging on YouTube and um, trying to really clear my life of of some of this noise um, because I do feel like it's the cocaine water that's just kind of making it worse, you know. And I need to, we, I need to like willfully choose the rat Disneylands of my life, you know, like kickball or tennis ball, baseball, social things where it would be easier just to kind of like assent to the, this time stinks and we just have to wait it out mentality versus there are ways in which I can flourish humanly right now and I need to choose them. And that will make it will make the desire and the need for the escape stuff to kind of even us. And then you can fall asleep well and get a good night's sleep and get up and pray and, and live a more happy life. Not that it, it's still not going to be stressful sometimes and hard, but it's how you, I guess the question is then it's how you cope with those hard things. Do I go to the cocaine water things in my life or do I go to the rat Disneylands and one will be easier or like a lower threshold quicker instant gratification but um it's also a bit like you know when you are hungry and 
you like haven't eaten and you drank some coffee and you're shaking and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm like past due for some calories and you are crabby and like all these physical and mental symptoms of like, I just haven't taken care of my body. And then you eat something and it's not immediate that you, uh, that you feel better, but there's like this little lag time that, um, the energy is coming, like equilibrium is, is on its way, but you have to kind of wait for a second. Um, it's not instant. That's kind of also sort of in the spiritual realm. I found that you, you could be a little sad or anxious or, or angry or unable to pray. Cause there's just like whatever thoughts consuming you that are attached to feelings and desires that are not great. And, um, you're sort of like, okay, what, do, what do I need? And you can try to just mask it or, you know, drown out the noise with more noise, or you can kind of like turn off the noise or, uh, do something else to kind of, um, feed the soul, feed the spirit. And it's not an immediate payoff, but you, like, I guess I've just learned from experience. Like if I do this, then there might be a little lag time, but I will return to equilibrium. You know what I mean? Like God will provide for me in this place. Um, so just a couple like little spiritual life hacks. Hmm. Yeah, dude, I love, I love what you said about the, uh, that is a real experiment by the way. It is. Did you look yeah. it up? No, 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 no. But I've, I've heard it on a number of occasions. I think father Carlos actually showed us, uh, there was like a Ted talks type YouTube video that compiled a lot of the statistics and then drew conclusions from it. And it, I mean, they were mainly talking about how to reform people with drug addictions and the best way to do it is not just the chemical approach, but they need a whole social and societal approach that presents the good to them that they can choose. But yeah, I can't remember why we watched it. Um, but it's real. It's real. I know that for sure. Um, I just Googled I, it and I found a. it's mostly articles about rat infestations at Disneyland. Mm. <laughs> Ratting out the mouse. Is Disneyland a haven for rats? <laughs> Are they all one suggestion is to think of something else besides rat Disneyland as the appeal of what you're going for. But other than that, yeah. <laughs> Don't Google search that. I guess, yeah. I don't know what else you're going to search. But... Um, I think I did the opposite for this calendar year of 2020 where, um, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely love what you, what the Cardinal says from Vietnam. And we, we talked about him around Easter time, around Lent. Yeah. Um, Robert Murray, you read some of uh, one of his letters that he wrote mm-hmm. after he got out. And it's very, very powerful. But the idea that, you don't have to wait to do God's will. Um, I think is is kind of at the heart of mm-hmm. the gospel, and at the heart of what you said is, you know, it's not like God is stifled uh, by just how chaotic 2020's been or whatever. You know, why, why aren't you out there preaching and teaching like you're supposed to? It's like He knows He knows exactly where we are and where we're supposed to be, and and desires for us to live and love in each moment there. And so you don't, you have to wait for that. And that that's always available. And that's kind of the, 
Oh, that's so cool. Uh, that reality of Christianity is like an untouchable gate to freedom and to life at all times that no circumstances can can hinder. And that's like, that's so appealing to me. Um, but I'll say for calendar year 2020, I guess when all the pandemic hit and everything, I like dove into that idea hardcore. And remember we did, did like the eight day retreat and was trying to live super well and um, like just trying to pray and exercise and run and stay close with friends and family as best as possible and reach out to the um, human versions of Disneyland from Rome here and not go to the ersatz goods and all and all those different things. But I, I think I got tired and I was like, ah, I, <laughs> I thought this was going to just be a little bit, <laughs> yeah. but now it's being like months and months and months and months. And as much as I love the idea of sprinting marathons, like I'm telling you from experience, <laughs> you can't sprint a marathon. And uh, <laughs> that that phrase used to just be a phrase to me, but it's so real. Uh, and and so I've I found that I've had to like re to ask the Lord to reconvict me to see the value and meaning in living this way. Um, and not because it's going to produce any results. I, I think that's where I get really um, a temptation to lose, um, maybe lose trust in the process is when you're only thinking about it as a means of producing something good instead of, no, this is actually the best way to live in the presence of God and to live a fulfilled life full of his love and in communion with him is like right now it's not for anything else it, it, this is just what he desires for me and i want to desire that as well um so honestly i've been praying for the grace to re-enter into that and for the lord to reconvict my heart of of that goodness um so i think i i had a little bit of well and some other you know some other stuff kind of came and blew my world up whatever but I think I had the opposite, um, where I started out strong and and tailed towards the end there. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to find. It's hard to find the inspiration. You know what I mean? Like life just kind of ebbs and flows with in terms of inspiration of like whether I'm loving life right now or I feel inspired or I have this cool project that I'm doing and I just want to get up and do it every day. Um, you do plateau and uh, I think that's where you like falling back into your habits. I, I, I guess I've realized more and more what um, how important it is to just have the foundation of like your your rat instincts of like where do you go when you feel the monotony or the plateau or the stress. Um, and that that over time, it's sort of invisible. It's not like the the year to year difference in feel you know like 2021 is hopefully like a happier year than uh did i say 2021 next year is ho hopefully happier than this year but you the person that you are and how you respond to those different kinds of years or months or days is not really very dependent on the spirit of the day it's 
dependent on the decisions you've made over the past 10 or 20 years, you know, and the kind of person you've become and what, what habits you've formed, um, that make you the kind of person that will respond to this. You know, like I think of Maximilian Colby in the concentration camp, you know, that was a tough day, the day they decided to kill 10 prisoners, but it wasn't like, you know, he was a different guy than he was the day before. Hmm. But he, he was just the kind of guy that would say yes and say, put me in his place and die for someone else um, because of the kind of decisions and the kind of life he lived over decades, you know? Um, yeah. That's just becoming more and more clear to me. Like, yeah, it, I got to. That happens today, you know, that this is what I'm kind of telling the students too, a lot of whom are, are asking these questions. Um, because you feel the disorder of a, of a certain day or of a certain year and you're like online classes, man, it's really hard to keep myself accountable to doing, doing the work, especially these asynchronous ones. And, um, you know, I get behind and then I have all this stuff to do. It's like even worse than a normal semester where if you procrastinate, it's not just like you have to do a bunch of reading and cramming. It's like, I have to watch 12 hours of lectures or something. Um, you know, so you just kind of, you feel the stress of like, I'm not living well. I'm not living an ordered life and that's costing me stuff right now. Um, but like kind of the bigger picture uh, questions about your character and who you are and the, the kind of life you want to live and how you don't want, like I, I felt at that time in my life when I was a college student, that stuff was happening to me. Like this, the primary reason this sucks is because my life is just, I'm not in, I'm not in charge. You know, I'm just constantly responding to how I feel, you know, I want to sleep more. So I'm going to sleep more. Oh crap. I'm afraid of failing this class. I'm going to stay up all night. And you're just like <laughs> totally reactionary to your life. You're not really like intentional about anything, much less about the big questions of like, what am I, what am I actually doing here? Uh, do I want to be here in this major, in this life, in this relationship, whatever? instead of just kind of like going along to get along. Um, and that's where like a rat can kind of do it by instinct. Like this, no, this is a better way to live than that. Um, because they're, they, unlike us can't defy their own nature, but we can, we can choose to be like shadowy versions of ourselves and, uh, to rationalize that decision and continue to live that way and to blame other people when they try to get us out of it. And, um, Man, I want to be free, dude. No, I mean, yeah. It reminds me a little bit of, <clears throat> I don't know if this exactly relates, but, and I may have shared this before, but just some good Father Gus wisdom that I think could apply here. And we were talking specifically of his spiritual direction, My, I think my deacon year, and about just like, yeah, once... I think I might've found out my like first assignment or whatever it is. And he just had this line in a super simple way. And he was like, okay, like now you have to make that place home and that's home base. And then like everything else flows from that place. So you need to get away. You need to like see your family. You need to do this and that, but like the responsibilities and your priorities need to center there 
And I can't tell you how much that has been helpful over like two and a half years of being uh, a priest, at least. But I think, I don't know, I, I think it would apply to that kind of basic thing that you're talking about, which is something I try to talk about a lot is, um, yeah, man, it's like, hey, what's right? What's right in front of you? Because you you more than likely probably do have everything at your disposal to be to be like happy and fulfilled and to you know um, I the words you used there a couple of times Connor was intentional which is true but I would say in my experience like what the heart is longing for maybe more than intentionality is responsibility which has to come like both have to be be present for the other. Um, I don't know. Does that make any sense? That makes a lot of good sense. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. When I was 20, 21, it's like, I'm, I'm not yet fully responsible for my life. Hmm. And that's making me feel like I resent my life. You know, like I don't want to be in this class right now. That, that, that kind of shifted for me in seminary where now, um, you know, it was weird the other day I was, I was praying and, somehow got into like reviewing the years of my life in just a really quick almost like um a tableau way like what this year seventh grade eighth grade freshman year all, all the way through and just kind of like uh, an experience or a iconic thing that happened to me that kind of represents that year and um each year had something some person or some event or whatever uh, until first theology. And that was kind of the year, that was the year, um, the year prior I had gone on IPF and had this experience with the Eucharist and just sort of the presumption of permanence that I basically just decided, I believe this is my vocation and I believe that God will provide for me. And um, just the, the feel of, of seminary went from discernment to preparation and, I want to do this. Um, and it was, it was such a watershed moment. And I've gone, I've told that story a lot of times. Um, and it was like, I don't know why, but it was, these are the years that are most recent, like since then, that was probably 2010. So the last 10 years of my life, but they all kind of blend together. Like the years prior to that experience, for some reason, all were very distinct. Like the thing that happened to me, this was like what made that year that kind of year or this, you know, but like once that happened, they all kind of blended together. And I, at first I was like, that's kind of weird. I, I don't love that. But the, the more I prayed about it and kind of asked God, like, what does that mean? Um, the more I got a sense that it's like, well, yeah, I've just sort of become more who I am. Like that, that was the, the experience or the watershed moment of like, this is who you are a priest. Now get ready to be a priest. Okay, now go be a priest. Now go be a priest here. And the, the years are not so much determined by something that happened. You know what I mean? It's just like, this is home base. Um, which is kind of cool. Like I can also go back in my journals over these last six years of being a priest or last whatever, 12 years of being in formation. Um, and see the different things that have happened to me and the different events. And certainly I'm not like so solid that, you know, I haven't had any wavering or, or 
tough times. Um, but generally speaking, that that sort of like baseline. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Has kind of just been there. Yeah. And that, by the way, is not anything that I I did. You know, like I could I tried for a couple of years in seminary to like be a priest, to act like one, uh, to just like build the virtues. But it just wasn't happening, which is kind of how I got to that moment of total vulnerability and being like, God, do you even want me to do this? Because I don't really want to do it, you know. Um, and I just felt like I was kind of doing it because I had to, because this was how you be super hardcore as a Catholic guy. <laughs> and uh, it just I had to get broken down totally to the point of just like seeing Jesus in front of me. Like, do you really think that I need you? to do stuff for me, you know, um, and just the overwhelming, unconditional, unilateral love that was coming at me from the Eucharist bowled me over. I'm like, this is not about me doing stuff for you. This is a way for you to, to make me who I am. You know, you are on my side. You want me to be happy in the deepest sense. Yeah. And that just changed everything. And now look at me. I garden and I, you know, <laughs> I podcast. Do you do the magic hands where you make the bread into Jesus? I do the magic hands. Uh-huh. Tin flute. <laughs> I play the tin flute. Yeah, you recorded an album. Multiple of them. Which I still listen to. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I've been listening to Remember When quite a bit. It's a jam, dude. I love that. I love that song. Um, oh, yeah, you sent that video. That was cool, seeing that video of me and Sister Alicia. Whoa. Uh, Man, that was yeah. yeah. always makes yeah. me feel a little uncomfortable when people... I'll just sit around, especially when there's people there I don't know. They're like, play this song that you wrote for everybody <laughs> while we're quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to stare at your face while you sing. Stare at you. (laughs) Um, Now that, that question of, um, I don't know. I I think I have viewed uh, grace maybe in, I don't know, like a, like a quid pro quo, like, God, you give me this so that I can do that kind of a thing. Um, And so I, I'm kind of using, a little bit of that to to relate what you said right there, Connor. Because many times I, I do think about going to prayer to th- to like, okay, Jesus, fill up my gas tank because I'm so empty. And I, I think there's something real to that, at least a little bit. You know, like you said, like get that get some substantial food in you that will eventually kick in and that will bring you into that will bring you back home and that will allow you to experience God's peace. Um, but I also think like that, that question of inspiration and, and motivation and, um, I don't know, I guess another way to, to put it would be like, how do you, how do you continue to return to home base once home base has been declared? And, uh, how do you stay convicted of that and not allow like fatigue, I guess, essentially to, to wear you down and yeah. And 
my initial response would be like the Shia LaBeouf, Nike, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Um, and I think there is something to that. Like you said, you have to, you know, we have the gift of free will and we do need to allow that to be transformed and allow our free will to be filled with grace so we can choose the good as well. But I, I think there's also something to living in, not just living in the present moment, but constantly choosing the good that, you know, the gospels say, and Christ says it, I mean, it's kind of difficult to understand, but, um, you know, what little, what little things that certain people have, even if there's, there's not much of it, will be taken away from them. And those who have more will be given to them. And it's like this idea that uh, those who who don't have even what little they do have will, will be taken away, and those that already have this plethora of goods will be given more and more goods. And you know, when you think about that in the realm of grace, it's like grace building on grace, and God's grace allowing us to see the presence of God more and more in front of us. And the reality is, when I live in in a moment like God is is there present before me, it actually helps me to see the presence of God right there that actually is there before me. And and the times when I choose like the Ersatz good and I go down the YouTube vortex of Georgia football highlights, which is hardly an Ersatz good. Okay. It's that's <laughs> a that is a great good. Uh but I'm, then I'm like, oh man, why why am I even what's the reason for going and praying today? You know, like you, you become even more and more separated from it and it becomes less and less real because you're I, I like, I become less and less convicted of the things that are most important in life and the things that I, that I most care about. I take my eyes off a of home base, you know, however you want to say that. But then like yesterday, man, dude, the weather down here has been insanely beautiful. It's, so nice this beautiful fall weather crisp like big blue skies the leaves are starting to change and starting to fall and i it's just like the sweet spot man and i had direction with somebody yesterday and was just walking and talking in the park and had them on my headphones and just like really delighted in being a priest and loved uh you know praying with with somebody and loved walking around and experiencing the beauty of the day and then it led me to doing like a little run and then coming back and having just some great time in prayer that I don't think otherwise would have happened um, if I had chosen to come back and, you know, dove into YouTube or dove into whatever instead of really allowing the good of the moment, like God's presence to be seen. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of rambling but it it builds on itself it it compounds itself and you know I, I guess i'm always thinking about like well how do you stay consistent with that and and how do you stay inspired by the holy spirit to remain at home and i know it sounds stupid but um <laughs> well it's not you just do it but <laughs> that the holy the holy spirit provides as you need and a part of that is just remaining with the Holy Spirit uh, and not reaching out to those ersatz goods. But that's tough. That's, that's not always easy. It is tough. 
because mm-hmm. the memory lingers actually if there's a, a line in the uh line with which in the wardrobe that i highlighted about edmund we're talking about who was so bad and unsympathetic but remember when he's eating with the beavers and like the kids are all uh like excited they're all starving from wandering in the woods for a really long time and cold but they kind of get up for the chores because it's it's sort of fun and they're preparing the food with mr and mrs beaver and um fishing with the with him and helping her make the tea and the bread or whatever but edmund the whole time is just bitter because all he's thinking about is the the turkish delights and um Mm. you know like that that preoccupation with that food particularly has erased his ability to enjoy the good food that they're having and the whole process and the community of it and there's this line crud i just had it there's something like ordinary food can't um can't compete with the memory of of magical bad food or like ordinary good food is spoiled by the memory of magic bad food Mm. and i just thought like what's the magic bad food in my life (coughs) that preoccupies me like i mean at the limit it's while you're saying mass are you thinking about something else you know because the mass is the most Mm. good ordinary daily bread that you consume all day and if you're looking forward to something else, you're not there, you know, like that's not where I want to be. I want to be totally focused on the highest good. But I think there's Edmund in all of us that uh, just gets the priorities way backwards, um, you know, and then so can't enter into an ordinary good, like walking around on a beautiful day and just soaking it in rather than sort of looking forward to the next thing. Um, and th- that's the Cardinal's thing is like, you can always do God's will when on a beautiful day or on a rainy day on a, you know, while you're saying mass or while you're just like waiting in line at the bank, like all of it, all of it can be consecrated. Um, yeah. Have you read the rest of the Narnia books? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was just not to spoil it because that, that Edmund in all of us is very true. Um, and it just made me think that's one of my, one, maybe my favorite line from all the Narnia, certainly one of them. And I, I can't remember what book it's in, but it's in a later book and not to spoil anything, but it's, um, because of, yeah, what he does in his betrayal in the first one, he's the one later that has the, like the largest capacity for compassion hmm. for others which is, mm. I just thought that was like such a beautiful um, like thing that Lewis works in. It's a, it's like two or three books after that. So it's just good stuff. Well, this has been a great talk. Discussion questions for this episode can be found at www.3dogsnorth.gov. Backslash donate. Support us. I hear a lot of podcasts say the word Patreon. Mm -hmm. I I feel like we need to say that to Patreon. Go to our Patreon. Look us up. You you won't find us there. (laughs) (laughs) But you will find us on Spotify, which is so cool. Yeah. That rocks. Nice. Yeah. 
noise. The the Shia LaBeouf just do it. It's just that's gonna get me through the day today. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's like that YouTube comment. What did the guy say? It's weird. <laughs> I just gotta read it. Honestly, it's a little weird how much this video is responsible for helping me turn my life around. <laughs> I want that to be a review of our podcast on iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a dream. That is a dream. I also like the second comment. I don't have it in front of me, but it's something like, you know, YouTube didn't suggest this to any of us, which means that we all like went, about, went out of our way to search for this. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't in our recommended. We all searched for this. <laughs> we all. <laughs> I also want that to be a review because, you know, that's also the case. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, no platform is recommending Three Dogs North. Everyone, everyone who listens has searched it out. Yeah. Wow. I feel chosen. Mm hmm. Hey, are y'all having good weather up there? What's it like? It's kind of it's sweater like weather. Awesome here. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Love it. We need to get a little chillier for good deer hunting, but we're getting there. Nice. All right, All right. Brohims. I need to celebrate La Misa in Espanol. Nice. Andale, pues. Andale, pues. Que vaya bien. Igual, mente. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.